Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View, NFL Week 1 in the books, and there were a ton of games, especially in the 1 o'clock window, that came down to the wire. Like, some of them got off to a really slow start, uh, but the second half in pretty much, like, I would say more than half of the games in Week 1, uh, the second halves really popped off, and games were super, super tight coming down to the uh, the final minutes of the game. We're going to recap pretty much every game uh, for week one and, of course, talk a little bit more extensively about the Giants and Jets. And before we get into any of that, I'm just going to complain. I'm going to complain because it's my podcast and I can do what I want. But fantasy football is stupid. I hate fantasy football. It's really dumb. So... Last year, week one of fantasy, I'm down like 50-ish points going into Monday Night Football. I have Lamar Jackson and Darren Waller. I take the lead, and then in overtime, you remember that game went into overtime back and forth a few times. Lamar, I have a one-point lead. Lamar gets strip-sacked, loses the fumble, and I end up, and then the Raiders end up scoring, and I lose by, like, less than a point. By, like, .6 or whatever. It was horrible. Devastating loss. This year, I... My team didn't do, like, great. Um, there's definitely some holes in my team that I need to be looked at. But the thing that carried me is Mahomes-Kelsey. The stack is, you know, elite on all fronts. Uh, so they popped off. But my team ends up getting... 134 points. Um, 134.6, technically. I'm up 14 points going into Sunday Night Football, and the only person my friend has going is Ryan Suckup. And what happens? The Bucks score one touchdown the entire game, and Suckup hits four field goals. He hits, so we do it, anything over 40 yards, you get an additional point for each of those 10 yards. So from, you know, 20-something to 39 yards is three points. Um, 40 to 49 is four, 50, uh, 50 plus, and, and so on, right? So 50 plus is five points. You get a 60 plus, that's six points. Um, it sucked. I hate I and and also he hit the extra point, but the first half Ryan suck up scores the only points for the Buccaneers. He hits like four field goals, and obviously like it hurts that the Bucks they were in the red zone multiple times in the first half and they didn't score touchdowns because the Cowboys decided to you know ramp up their defense and uh, Brady couldn't put it in the end zone. So, Suckup comes on. He hits all these field goals in the first half. I'm up one, of course, going into the second half. and Or it's it's a tied game. I'm technically up by like 0.3 points. So, basically, if Ryan Suckup hits a field goal or even an extra point, I lose. And, of course, what does he do the entire second half? The Buccaneers don't score except for one touchdown. They score one touchdown. Ryan Suckup records one point in the second half. I lose by one. It was demoralizing. The only thing I'll have to say that I fucked up on in terms of my lineup, 
Uh, I left Darnell Mooney in my lineup when I, he should have been on the bench and Drake London should have been starting because it was pouring like tsunami-level kinds of rain in Soldier Field, like a slip and slide. Uh, so, I mean, that I should have just benched Mooney. That was stupid of me. Um, yeah, one really just, it's such a bullshit loss. I'm so disgusted with how I lost there. Again, starting a season 1-0 on a, a back-breaking loss like that is really, really, really annoying. Um, but I, I got some things to look at for my team now. So, and Najee Harris, of course, I don't know if he, he got injured and then, you know, he didn't play the entirety of overtime. Um, he got rolled up on his leg, got pinned back or his, both of his legs, I think actually got pinned back. And I think it was, they said it was a foot injury, which is, they also said, you know, one of the NFL network reporters said that, um, his injury is not that serious, but the reason why I'm a little concerned, I don't know which foot it is, but I know that he was limited in, you know, OTAs and preseason because he had a Liz Franck sprain, which obviously isn't good because you look at someone um, like Matt Corral on the Panthers, their rookie quarterback, he's missing the entire season with a Liz Franck injury, Liz Franck injury. So having Najee Harris had that kind of sprain and then he, you know, gets a foot injury week one, I hope it's not the same foot. That would make things a little bit better, but still, uh, even his usage wasn't wasn't great. He only ran the ball about ten times. Uh, what was his stat line? He had ten rushes for twenty three yards and two catches for three yards. The only thing that salvaged that performance in week one was that one of his catches was a dump off little pass into the flat from Trubisky, and he scored. It was like inside the five. So uh, that was you know obviously a horrible way to lose week one. And I'm demoralized already, but uh, I'm hoping Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey can kind of carry me to some victories. And the worst part is my buddy who was playing, like, he's pretty new to fantasy football and he likes football, but I know he's not the biggest fan. Um, It was so shitty because after Mahomes and Kelsey, like, started popping off, uh, Mahomes ended with like 48 points and Kelsey ended with 22. So, you know, they got me like 70 points by themselves. Uh, it was, he was like, I didn't even like, he was like, I thought it was a wrap. You know, I, I'm pretty sure he didn't even watch a Sunday night game. And it's like one of those things you wake up and you're like, oh, how did I win? I just wanted to fucking, mm. so frustrating, bro. It's so frustrating. Uh, my friend does the kid. You know, he he does have a pretty solid team, all things considered. Um, but it was just one of those things, man. That like, when you lose, you're you're up fourteen. Like, how often does a kicker get fifteen points? You know, across our entire league, two kickers had ten plus points. One had exactly ten, and the other one was Youngway Koo for the Falcons, who had nineteen points. So it's not like, you know, kickers every week are going out there and, and kicking and getting you 10, 11, 12, 13 points, right? Uh, it was just literally, if the Bucks 
just score one touchdown in the first half. Just out of the multiple times they were in the red zone, if they just score one touchdown in the first half, they win. I, I win. And suck up. I win by probably one point, actually. Uh, so it, it's like devastating, dude. It, it really is just, I hate it. I hate fantasy football, bro. I hate it because I feel like in, out of everyone in our in my league, like I'm the one that these losses happen to the most. Although, to be fair, this isn't like I definitely don't have the single worst loss in our league's history. It, it goes to a kid. He's not in our league anymore, but um, a handful of years ago, I think it was like three years ago or whatever, he was winning his matchup by like, I think it was by like a point, maybe two points. He was winning. And he, his guy had, uh, you know, his opponent had no one else. I forget who he was playing, but his opponent had no one else going. And he had Andy Dalton as his starter. I guess it was like a plug and play week. Andy Dalton <laughs> ended up with like negative two and a half points and then got benched. And my friend lost by like half a point. <laughs> so that is, that's by far the worst one. Um, yeah, that, that is by far the worst one. But I've definitely had some like heartbreaking ones, which are really annoying. Um, but at least I don't have the worst lost in the league, you know. All right. Uh, <laughs> I'm so angry. I hate fantasy football, bro. I hate it. I hate it. And then the Raiders cucked my parlay, too, on top of it. It was a bad Sunday. I mean, the Giants won, which I'm ecstatic about, bro. Like, I can't even believe that they won that football game. Because over the past, like, five, six years, that is a patented Giants lose time-expiring field goal. It had it written all over it. Even after they converted to point conversion, I'm like, oh, man, I know where this is going. And they finally, like, finally, yo, finally, finally, finally got a break the other way. Anyway, just, uh, you know, it, aside from that, you know, fantasy cucked me, Sunday night football. Uh, the Raiders decided to stop scoring the football. I needed literally six points for the over to hit. That sucked. Um, the last leg was Denver minus six and a half tonight, which, I mean, if Denver doesn't win by a, a touchdown tonight, I'd be shocked. But I guess it would make me feel a little bit better about my bets. Uh, anyway, yeah, Jesus, let's just run into week one, man. So first game, Bills-Rams, uh, obviously that was anti-climactic, anti-climactic. Uh, first game, thought is definitely going to be a shootout, and the the uh, the Bills just dominated. They they flat out just came in to L.A. defending Super Bowl champs and beat the brakes off them. Rams didn't have a shot. Matt Stafford that elbow injury, uh, clearly I I think there's it's hindering him a little bit for sure. Cam Akers looked. Horrendous, man. App like just flat out bad. Daryl Henderson looked good at least. Allen Robinson looked uninterested as normal. Which, I, if that goes on for any longer, I think it's gonna start time being like, was it really the quarterbacks? 
that were the issue? Or was Allen Robinson just uninterested in playing football? Because he didn't do anything, like nothing at all. Obviously, Cooper Cup was a beast. But really, I think the big... Uh, the big thing to take away from that game is that the Bills' defense looks unbelievable. Like, we knew Josh Allen was going to be a beast. We know Diggs is a beast. Um, and we know that offense just in general is very high-octane. But that defense, the Bills didn't blitz once. And they sacked Stafford seven times. Like, they were just straight up putting four on the line. And those guys were beating the Rams' offensive line every single time. So the Bills' defense looks great, and then also the Rams' offensive line definitely might be a problem. So we uh, that was Thursday night. Obviously, there was a ton of reaction to that on Friday, but here we are on... Uh, I'm recording on Monday, so it's Tuesday uh, when the pod comes out. But yeah, it, it was definitely a, uh, a surprising result. I thought the game was going to be way more competitive. As for the rest of the NFL, let's start with the Giants and the Jets. Uh, the Jets, they got... Beat on by the Ravens, 24-9. It was a relatively close game up until the third quarter. Uh, 10-3 at halftime, like really not that bad. The defense was holding down Lamar pretty pretty well. I mean, like they they were in it. It was 10-3 at halftime. You know, that's a very, very winnable game, obviously. Uh, It's just that without Zach Wilson, you know, the, the offense can only do so much with Joe Flacco starting at quarterback, uh, which is obviously a big blow. Um, I'm pretty sure Wilson was, they they said he was doubtful or out on, I think, Saturday. So I would imagine it's going to be another, like, down to the wire, like 24 hours maybe in advance about whether he's going to play. Like, clearly this week in practice and stuff, and and how he feels is going to be a huge indicator about whether or not he's going to be playing in week two. Uh, Lamar, 17 of 30, 213 yards. He had three touchdowns, a couple bombs to Duvernay and Bateman. But, you know, he didn't look great. The second half, obviously, he looked a lot better. The Ravens ended up scoring 14 uh, in the third, and then the Jets tacked on a couple field goals in the fourth. His final score was 24-9. to nine. But all things considered, uh, you know, Elijah Moore, Brees Hall, Michael Carter looked really good. Um, Sauce Gardner is literally the same size as, like, Mark Andrews. He was out there running with Mark Andrews and made a couple nice plays on him. He's, a, he's huge, bro. Like, Sauce Gardner is something that I think... Jets fans can really look at and be like, I haven't felt this excited about a player that we've drafted since maybe Revis. You know, like he has that kind of potential. He he could be a really, really true lockdown corner where some guys might not even look in his direction. He's already got that kind of reputation. And honestly, sometimes, you know, when you, you're a defensive back like that and you come into the NFL kind of a target on your back you know he he was a top draft pick um first defensive player first defensive back taken in uh actually was he or was um stingily taken before him I don't remember but regardless you know you're a top 10 pick so sometimes uh you know coaches will 
say, hey, let's go after the kid. Let's go after the rookie. Let's see what he's made of. Lamar maybe might not be the best guy to do that with just because he is not the best throwing quarterback in the league. Obviously, he's super dynamic. The offense is great, even without J.K. Dobbins. Um, I shouldn't say great. You know, They didn't really look too dominant against the Jets for a while there. But, uh, yeah, he, I mean, he's a, he's a beast, man. There's, so there, there's some good things, uh, to take into consideration. And, you know, you like to play the what if game, like if Zach Wilson was playing, maybe this is more competitive. Maybe the Jets have a real shot to win. Uh, but overall the defense, you know, you had a bad third quarter, but outside of that, they looked pretty good, you know? So, Jets are 0-1, Ravens 1-0. The Giants, for the first time in six years, the New York Giants are above 500. They are 1-0 to start the 2022 year. And Brian Dabble, the, 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 it seems like he has changed the luck of the New York Giants. So, like I said, we'll, we'll start from the end, Right? Tannehill marches down the field. Darnay Holmes gets beat first with a, pa- a, a pass interference. Oh, no, it was a holding call. Um, You know, automatic first down for the Titans. And then I think, like, the very next play, he gets beat again. This time for a uh, 15-yard-ish, I think, pass from Tannehill. Gets the Titans in field goal range. They have a shot. Uh, it was a... 51-yard attempt. Let's see. It was a 47-yard attempt from Randy Bullock. And that completion, by the way, of that beat Holmes, uh, it was a 21-yard catch. And then that goes to the Giants 27. Tannehill does like a little um, run to the right just to set it up. They spike the ball with four seconds left, and Randy Bullock misses the 47-yard attempt wide left. Lot, that's a theme going on in week, uh, for week one. A lot of kickers missing a lot of field goals. Uh, some, you know, and it's not even like they were missing 50, 55, 60-yard attempts, right? Like, they were missing a ton of, a ton of, of of field goals, like usual chip me shots, they they missed. Even Ryan Suckup, I was complaining about him uh, and how he beat me in fantasy, but like even he missed like a thirty six yard, thirty five yard chip shot wide left, completely missed it, not even close. So a lot of kickers around the league had the yips. It looks like in week one, um, but the story here. The Giants and Titans, yes, obviously the Titans were favorite and the Giants ended up winning. They got a huge break, which obviously games like this, like you can point to a ton of games, like 10 games over the past handful of years that have ended exactly like this, where it's like the Giants, they get a lead and then the defense kind of blows it and they lose on a game expiring, time expiring field goal and everyone goes home miserable. This time, however, they catch a break and the field goal misses and they win by one. But the story here is Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is back. 
I mean, you can look at it and say, well, the Titans defense, like, no. Saquon Barkley looked every bit as dominant as everyone had hoped he, he would be. He was making great reads in the backfield. He was hitting holes. He was lowering his shoulder and running over people. He was juking people. He was stiff-arming. Like, he was running angry, bro. Like, he was running so angry and so hard. He was cutting on a dime. He looked unafraid of anything and anyone. And he was a handful for the Titans. They could not stop Saquon Barkley. 18 carries, 164 yards, and a touchdown. He also caught six catches for 30 yards uh, out of the backfield. And, of course, the biggest play of the game, obviously he had a couple of really long 20-plus yard runs. One, I think, went for like 50-plus yards. Uh, The biggest plays of the game, Sterling Shepard, he only had two catches, but one 71 yards. One was for 65 yards. He beat his defender. Jones underthrew him slightly, but he was able to catch it, make the one guy uh, miss who was backtracking, and score a touchdown. That was a huge play. And then, of course, the two-point conversion, which the balls on Brian Dabble to say, fuck it, we're on the road. We haven't been 1-0 in years. I'm a rookie head coach. This team, we know where this team stands, right? This team, in more most likely scenario, not making the playoffs. Uh, they're not... They, Chances are they're not going to have a winning record. Everyone knows where the Giants stand, right? They're not a great team. They have some good players, great players even in Saquon's case. They have some good players, but they're not a great team. Dabble and everyone else, they like you're on the road. It's week one. You've seen what other games probably have gone on already because at this point, this is a 4 o'clock game, and... A lot of the 1 o'clock games, we almost had two ties. You know, two 20-20 ties. Uh, And it was not something that the Giants were interested in, clearly. You're on the road. It's week one. Go for it. I love it. I love it. Uh, And Dabble, I don't know if he called this play, but they do a little uh, Chiefs trickery where Jones gets the ball, he takes a couple steps to his right, and then he does a little underhanded shovel pass, which we've seen Mahomes do with Travis Kelsey, and we actually saw him do it with Clyde Edwards-Alaire this week in week one. Uh, Takes a couple steps to his right, Daniel Jones underhand, little quick toss to Barkley, who has two Titans in front of him immediately as soon as he turns around. He makes a quick move to his right. Uh, I don't think they called the face mask penalty, but you could see he gets tugged on his face mask just for a, a brief second, makes makes the guys miss, dives into the end zone, and he's hyped. Everyone's hyped. He throws the ball backwards. Uh, him and Sterling Shepard run over, and Brian Dabble gives them both like a huge hug, uh, and it was really, really, really great to see. Like they, you can tell like these guys. Barkley, Shepard, Daniel Jones, like they really, 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 really wanted it. Daniel Jones made a couple nice plays as well, a couple nice running plays. Um, Even on like fourth to go, he had a nice conversion. And this is from 
Associated Press. Brian Dabble promised his New York Giants he wouldn't coach scared and knew the play he'd call for a two-point conversion even though it had only worked sporadically during training camp. Doesn't matter. Like, going out there and being like, I'm not coaching scared, not playing for the tie with around a minute left. Uh, no, you go in there, you're like, we're fucking, we're going for the win. The players respected it. Even if they didn't get it, it'd be like, yeah, they were like, that's what we wanted. Like, we, we, we were going in there, going for the win. And they did. And even though the defense didn't do a good job protecting that one-point lead, knowing that the Titans had to, had to throw the ball, and Tannehill, credit to him, you know, and credit to the Titans' offense, like, Tannehill still made big plays like they got a couple penalties that helped them of course which is a you know tisk tisk on the Giants but he made a couple nice throws and the Titans got there man the win was right there and uh Bullock just he pulled it left and it, it happens like I said that was a theme in week one missing kicks uh so the Giants got lucky really on on that front but it's about damn time that some luck broke their way for once because it's been breaking to their opponents for the better part of a decade. Which, I guess, you can trace that all the way back to the uh, David Tyree catch and be like, they used up all their luck there. (laughs) Ever since then, it's been everything else. Nah, so after Eli retired, all their luck got used up, you know? (laughs) Um, Derrick Henry, you know, 21 carries, 82 yards. Good job containing Derrick Henry. Uh, Tannehill looked pretty good, all things considered. Uh, Like I said, Giants did a good job. Uh, Aside from that last drive by Tannehill and the Titans offense to get into field goal range, uh, the Giants defense played pretty well. You know, they kept them in the game. Uh, The Giants had a couple big plays. And Saquon Barkley put the team on his back and was like, I'm going to show you all that I could be the guy. You know, and now all the thing that... I don't think anyone's necessarily surprised by this performance, but the only thing now is he needs to stay healthy, which I pray every night that he does. Uh, we'll start with, I'm just looking on like the ESPN app, so let's scroll down. Uh, Saints-Falcons, what a wild one this was. Uh, like I said, a lot of games kind of seemed very uh, a little sloppy, slow, not super high scoring or competitive even. And then in the second half of a lot of these games, especially the 1 o'clock games, the second half, things went, it was like a shootout for a lot of them. This one being one of them. You're in the fourth quarter. Young Wei Koo kicks a field goal with a little under 13 minutes remaining. In the fourth, that makes it 26-10, to 10, Falcons. The Saints score two unanswered touchdowns, two Michael Thomas touchdowns, make it 26-18. to 18. That was a super quick drive. Um, and then late in the fourth quarter, under four uh, remaining, Michael Thomas gets another uh, touchdown to make it 26-24. to 24. They fail the two-point conversion, and then the Saints stop the Falcons again, and then Will Lutz ends up kicking a 51-yard field goal to win it 27-26. to 26. Obviously, if you're the Falcons, you're sick. The defense just completely selling out. Um... Drake London had a pretty good game. The rookie, five, he, he was a little question mark coming into it, but he looked good. Five catches for about 75 yards. Uh, Kyle Pitts didn't really get targeted too much. 
or I mean, I should say he didn't make that many catches. He only had a couple catches on the day. Uh, Cordero Patterson looked pretty good. And the defense sold you out. Shout out to Marcus Mariota. He played a pretty good game too. Uh, Mariota's final stats, 20 of 33, 215 yards. He didn't throw for a touchdown and he didn't run for a touchdown. But uh, Patterson, 22 carries, 120 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Mariota did run for a touchdown, by the way. My bad. Uh, he had a, a nice run. Young Wei Koo had one, two, three, four field goals from 54, 50, 40, and 27. So he played really well. Um, Patterson and Mariota both had rushing touchdowns. So the Falcons' offense, like they were scoring. At the very least, they were getting in the field goal range, uh, but a tough loss for them and a great win for Jameis and the Saints in Week 1. Bears 49ers, this one was super sloppy, but I felt good about it because I had been saying, listen, I know it was monsooning out in Chicago and it was a slip and slide out there. Passing the ball wasn't really great. Elijah Mitchell gets hurt for the 49ers. They already don't have Kittle to start the game. So... Odds are stacked against them and Trey Lance. I did want to bet on this game, but I stayed away. But I'm glad that the Bears won. And again, I understand it was a monsoon, but I just, I don't think Trey Lance is going to be good. I don't. I give it till week four if he doesn't significantly improve. And again, I'm going to keep saying it because I know people are going to be like, well, it was, you know, the circumstances. I get it. But I'm waiting for people to say, I told you we should have stuck with Jimmy G. I told you he should get lances and ready. Bench him, bench him, bench him. You know, when will it turn toxic? I wonder. Because I... Simply do not believe that Trey Lance is the answer in San Francisco. I don't. Uh, You look at Jimmy G's history, I understand the stats aren't pretty. Um, I understand a lot of the wins that the Niners have had over the past several years maybe have not been pretty. But when you really break it down, where have the Niners been in the Jimmy G era? Competitive. In the playoffs. Playoff wins, even. They made a goddamn Super Bowl with Jimmy G as their quarterback. And you can point to it and say, well, the defense, the defense, the defense, and the supporting cast. But regardless, you have found pretty much tremendous success with Jimmy Garoppolo as your quarterback. And I know things get stale in the NFL. You know, you can only have so many of the same results before... Uh, you're willing to move on from a quarterback. So I understand why the higher-ups and and Shanahan really felt like maybe Trey Lance was the answer, especially when you know you use a draft pick, especially when you trade up for a draft pick like a quarterback. It, the pressure is really on to get him in there and prove that it was the right move. Um, But I think that the Trey Lance pick is going to end up costing Kyle Shanahan his job. I I think it's going to be that bad. Uh, As for the Bears, Justin Fields, Eberflus, um, I think that's how you say his name. I always always 
feel like I'm butchering it. But a lot of the rookie head coaches won in week one, which is very impressive. Uh, great win for Chicago. Classic gritty Soldier Field win. Um, 19 to 10. Like I said, not not pretty, but gritty. And they needed that. The slip and slide at the end, celebrating. You love to see a smile on the young kids' faces, right? Steelers, Bengals, this one was sloppy until the very end. Joe Burrow, a whopping five turnovers for Joe Burrow, four interceptions and a fumble. Uh, really just not, not good. Not, not a good uh, opening game for Cincinnati. Obviously, the defending AFC champs. And you're also in an AFC North rivalry. I knew this one was going to be tough. AFC North matchups, especially the ones involving the Steelers, are always really dirty and competitive. And and you got to really grind it out. Burrow made a lot of mistakes early. Uh, but they were there in the end. And shockingly, perhaps the most, the most shocking one uh, out of all the missed field goals was the one in overtime from Evan McPherson, 29 yards. The Bengals stopped the Steelers in overtime. They had to punt it away. And all you need now, you need a field goal. The Bengals, 29-yard field goal from Evan McPherson, who we know has a boot, who we know has, you know, nerves of steel. He's made a lot of big, big kicks for the Bengals. Shanks, a 29-yard field goal. And there was there was multiple mixed missed uh, missed kicks, in, including a couple in overtime. Um, Boswell missed uh, a field goal, a couple field goals in regulation, um, or maybe he missed one in regulation. But they each missed a field goal each. Uh, it the, the overtime went. Punt Steelers, miss field goal Bengals, miss field goal Steelers, punt Bengals, and then the Steelers ended up winning on a field goal. Uh, so they won 23 to 20. A great win for if you're a Steelers fan, but uh, a heavy toll extracted because Najee Harris did not play the entirety of overtime. He left with a a foot injury, which I hope is not too serious because he's on my fantasy team. And TJ Watt was the big one. He has a partially torn pec. When it happened, he immediately came out of the game and was like, I, I tore my pec. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm fucked. I'm, it's over for me. Uh, and you could see him say he, he tore it as he was going to the sideline. But results came back partially torn. So I guess that's kind of a little bit of good news. Um, obviously brutal for the Steelers. He is the best defender or the best defensive player in football and you know the the captain of your defense so brutal for the Steelers uh Bengals they'll bounce back but uh, I think this was pretty if you know anything about NFC AFC North football like this was a game that was expected like down to the wire tooth and nail kind of game Eagles Lions the Lions made it interesting late but the Eagles went 38 to 35 a high scoring affair Lions scored 14 in the fourth uh, to try and make it uh, a game make the comeback and they just couldn't but Hertz looked pretty good 18 to 32 243 yards Miles Sanders had a nice game 
which was encouraging to see that he was going to get a lot of touches. 13 carries, 96 yards, and a touchdown. And A.J. Brown didn't find the end zone, but he was doing pretty much everything else. 10 catches, 155 yards. 10 of Jalen Hurts' 18 completions were to A.J. Brown. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown looked good. He had 8 catches, 64 yards. DeAndre Swift was a menace. 15 carries, 144 yards, and a touchdown on the ground for DeAndre Swift. So the Lions offense looked good, but they just could not stop the uh, running attack of Jalen Hurts and his running back. All three running backs in this game for the Eagles found the end zone. And Hurts. So Hurts had a rushing touchdown. Gainwell had a rushing touchdown. Boston Scott had a rushing touchdown. And Miles Sanders had a rushing touchdown. Patriots, Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins looked pretty good. The Patriots now 0-4. Bill Belichick now 0-4 against Tua as the Dolphins starter. So pretty impressive stat uh, for Tua, even though a lot of people dog on him. Uh, Hasn't lost to Bill Belichick. Pretty impressive. Like I said, Tyreek Hill was a target for Tua all day long. Um, He had eight catches for 94 yards. The big play, though, was right before the half. Jalen Waddell had a 50-ish yard touchdown on a nice slant route, uh, beat both of his defenders, and was off to the races. So that was a a big touchdown for the Dolphins going into the half. Um, 42 yards, by the way, not 50. 42 yards. Uh, That was, again, going into halftime. And kind of slow the rest of the game. Uh, Patriots got a touchdown in the third. And the Dolphins got a field goal at the end of the third. And that was it. No scoring in the fourth quarter. So 27 win for the Dolphins. They start off 1-0. Jaguars, Commanders, classic Carson Wentz game to start. They were dominating. Carson Wentz looked really good. Then he threw uh, an interception. Jaguars ended up scoring. And the very first play after the Jaguars scored off his interception, Carson Wentz tries to throw a screen where there's like three Jaguars defenders there. He gets picked off again, and the Jaguars score again. And suddenly, just like that, um, the Jaguars have the lead in the fourth quarter, 22-14. to And then Carson Wentz, after making two horrible mistakes throwing the football, throws an absolute seed to Terry McLaurin up the sideline in between two defenders in stride. McLaurin scores 49-yard touchdown. Um, They failed to convert the two-point conversion, so they're still down by two. They get the ball back and march down the field, and he throws another touchdown to Dotson to take a 28-22 lead. So a very up-and-down day if you're a Commanders fan. And guess what? It won't be the last time. That is pretty much where you're going to get with Carson Wentz throughout the entirety of this year. Browns, Panthers, uh, the Panthers, Baker Mayfield revenge game, down to the wire. The Panthers had it. They had it. And Cade York, a rookie kicker with less than 10 seconds left, comes in and hits a 58-yard field goal to beat the Panthers at home. So a heartbreaking loss um you know in the fourth quarter they had Baker Mayfield had a huge 75 yard bomb to Robbie Anderson uh to pull him within two and then they had Eddie Pinheiro hit a 34 yarder puts him up one and somehow some way the Browns get a 58 yard field goal to win it they didn't deserve it 
but they got it. Colts, Texans, 20-20 tie. Um, Lovey Smith played for the tie. I don't, I don't know what else to say. And, uh, you know, the Texans were, were winning the majority of this game, and the Colts scored 17 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to tie it at 20. And uh, neither one of these... I mean, the Texans' defense played really well. They stopped the Colts, but the Texans offensively, they were playing to tie. No other way to put it. Uh, So it's unfortunate, but we get a rare week one tie, which is always cute. Packers, Vikings. This game was over the minute Aaron Rodgers threw an absolute bomb to Christian Watson, who beat his man... And the ball went through his hands. And the look of disgust that Aaron Rodgers... I assume he was looking at Matt LaFleur. I couldn't imagine who else he would be giving this look to. Kind of looks at him. Gives him a little little head nod. And his eyes go wide. Kind of like, I told you so. I, I told you these kids. They were going to fuck us. I told you. And Christian Watson pretty much put himself in the dog hat. Like, had he made that catch and scored... That's, that's your guy. Like, he's going to get fed by Aaron Rodgers the rest of the game. Uh, instead, he puts himself in the doghouse. He ends the game with, like, three catches for minimum yardage. And overall, I mean, much like last year, week one, when the Packers got shelled by the Saints, they came out. Rodgers looked like a bitter old man, really. Uh, he, you know, he didn't have Devontae Adams, so he's working with a bunch of kids. Uh, he, he doesn't like, it doesn't look like he, he was enjoying himself. Um... Credit to the Vikings, though. They looked great. Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver in football. Like, he was just open in almost every play. Uh, a ton of yardage. How much did he end with? Nine catches for 184 yards and two touchdowns for Justin Jefferson. Just wide open, constantly. I don't know how it happened, but it did. And the Vikings look good. They went 23-7. to Cardinals, Chiefs, uh... I said that Trey Lance and the Niners situation, I think, is going to end up getting Kyle Shanahan fired. Uh, The Kyler Murray situation, this is Cliff Kingsbury's last year as the Cardinals head coach. He's going to get fired after this year because the Cardinals are probably going to miss the playoffs. Um, They caved and they bent to Kyler Murray's whim, which I don't really think they should have. If there's any quarterback, young quarterback, that needs to be in contract disputes with their team, it should have been Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, not Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. That's all I'll say. Uh, But the Cardinals look horrible. And aside from a garbage-time touchdown to Zach Ertz, which really hurt me in fantasy, they got schlacked. Like, they had absolutely—the final score was 44-21, to but you add in that garbage time TD and the fact that the Chiefs just weren't really interested in scoring more than 44 points. Uh, they were running the ball, little dump offs, like whatever. Did weren't really trying to move the ball, just trying to waste time off the clock. Cardinals had no answer. Like the Chiefs defense looked great, and they could not stop Patrick Mahomes. He had five touchdowns, 360 yards, and five touchdowns for Patrick Mahomes. He was 30 of 39. And then Travis Kelsey, eight catches, 121 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, so no Tyreek Hill, no problem. That's what all the sports anchors were saying <laughs> this this morning, Monday morning, right? Uh, but the Chiefs, I mean, yeah, they look good. The Cardinals, 
they're going to miss the playoffs and Cliff Kingsbury's going to get fired. I'm I could even if even if they do make the playoffs, I don't think they'll win a playoff game. Like if the same exact result happens from last year where they make the playoffs and then get smacked around, you know, he's definitely getting fired. Uh and I think a lot of people should start questioning Kyler Murray personally. Couple more games. Uh Chargers Raiders. This one pissed me off cuz the over didn't hit, but uh the Raiders turnover after turnover for uh Derek Carr. He had three interceptions. So, not a good start for him. Devontae Adams, however, they should have just gave him the ball more. Like he was always open. 10 catches, 141 yards and a touchdown and that really should not have that should have there should have been more. Um as for the Chargers, they tried to run the ball with everyone pretty much except Austin Eckler, who had 14 carries for 36 yards. He was their leading rusher, but felt like a lot of other guys, way too many guys, way too much platooning for the Chargers. Uh, Austin Eckler is your best running back. Like He should be on the field way more than, any, than Joshua Kelly or whoever else is getting snaps out of the backfield. Should That shouldn't be it right? It should be Austin Eckler. He's your best receiving back, and he's probably your best actual running back. Um, No idea why he was not getting more snaps, but they kind of stayed away. The the times they scored, they completely abandoned the run. Completely abandoned the run, and they just decided to throw the football around. Uh, Unfortunately for them, Keenan Allen on uh, running, it looked like a, a some type of hook route or whatever, he pulled up and immediately grabbed his hamstring and was out for the rest of the game. I think that happened in like the second quarter. So huge blow for the Chargers. Obviously, Keenan Allen's a beast, but he had four catches for 66 yards at that point. Um, let's see if they gave him. Uh, he's under. He's scheduled to undergo an MRI today, Monday. So uh, no word yet on what that is, but I imagine because it's a hamstring injury. You know, he'll be out a couple weeks. Minimum. That's like good news if he's out a couple weeks. And then the Sunday night game, Bucks cowboys total snooze fest. Uh, this was where a lot, of, a, a lot of more injuries. So you had TJ Watt, Keenan Allen, two big injuries. And then this game had also two more big injuries. Chris Godwin, a guy I'm not sure many people expected to play, but he ended up going out there and playing. Uh, and he looked pretty pretty good uh he had three catches for 35 yards a 24 one 24 yarder was his longest and he looked pretty good and on one of his catches it was kind of thrown behind him he caught it and he left the game limping uh with a leg injury did not return so almost immediately you have to wonder what his status is going to be moving forward, how cautious they're going to be, because he is coming off that uh, ACL injury. So I, I'd imagine the Bucks are going to play it safe, especially because they have a ton of Brady through to seven different receivers. Um, Mike Evans got five catches. Julio Jones had three. Godwin had three. Russell Gage had two. Fournette had a couple. Cameron Brait. Um, Rashad White. They all had catches. So he was spreading the rock around, uh, and I think moving forward, I would imagine the Bucks are going to be cautious with with Chris Godwin. 
Uh, Mike Evans, of course, five catches, 71 yards, and his patented touchdown for the game. But Ryan Suckup, as I complained in the beginning of the episode, how he fucked me in fantasy, he did most of the damage, a ton of field goals uh, in this game. He hit four, I believe, four or five field goals. He did miss like a 30-yarder or 35-yarder. So he had 13 of the 19 points for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Leonard Fournette was probably the brightest spot for uh, the Buccaneers. They really were pretty committed to the run just because the Cowboys couldn't stop him. 21 carries for 127 yards for Leonard Fournette. Uh, He was going in there, and then aside from his running, he absolutely lit up Micah Parsons. (laughs) That was uh, a big highlight because that doesn't really happen to Micah Parsons. He's elite. So uh, good game for Leonard Fournette. And then, of course, probably the biggest news in the NFL is that Dak Prescott, um, on a throw, he was met. I forget who was rushing him on the Bucks, but pretty much did a little like a high five movement um, or a moment. And Dak Prescott fractured his thumb. Originally, he thought he had jammed it. And after a little bit, he realized he couldn't fully grip the football. Uh, and he was replaced in the game, and uh, he, Jerry Jones, of course, <laughs> the owner, giving a post-game press conference after a loss, uh, let reporters know that Prescott had indeed fractured his thumb and is going to require surgery, and he will miss six to eight weeks for the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously a huge blow. Um, he was able to play pretty much all last year. I think he missed one game. Um, but he played pretty much all last year. But the year before that, of course, he had the fractured ankle that kept him out 11 weeks. He missed the rest of the season from when he fractured it moving forward. Uh, and yeah, now another big injury, a broken thumb or fractured thumb, needs surgery, six to eight weeks for Dak Prescott. Huge blow. Uh, it is worth noting that even before Dak Prescott got injured, the Cowboys offense looked, it looked fucking horrible. Um, Zeke looked all right, but they kind of abandoned the run eventually and because they were down. They weren't scoring the football, so they had to start throwing it. And they tried to lock up CeeDee Lamb, and they did so pretty easily. Two catches for 29 yards for CeeDee Lamb. So they were not letting CeeDee beat them. Uh, they tried to get Pollard involved. That didn't really work. Like I said, Zeke didn't really do much of anything. 10 carries, 52 yards. Uh and yeah, Dak, he he looked bad, man. Like the the Cowboys just did not look good. And you gotta wonder, was trading Amari Cooper for like a fifth round pick really worth it? Because <laughs> it doesn't really seem like it was the right move right now. Their offense looked horrible. And just to say, they played these teams played opening week last year on Thursday Night Football, and it was a shootout. And Dak Prescott was slinging the rock, and Amari Cooper had a huge game. Like these two teams were 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 throwing it around, and now this game they got absolutely nothing going for them. Uh, credit to the, their defense, though. You know they did hold the the Bucks, in, especially in the first half. The Bucks were in the red zone several times, and the defense held them to just field goals. Fuck you, Gallus. You ruined my fantasy night. I blame you too. Uh, but. You know, credit to them for making a stand, not allowing them to get into the end zone and stopping them. 
keeping Dallas in the game, their offense just couldn't do anything. So four significant injuries in week one, unfortunately. Godwin, TJ Watt, Keenan Allen, and Dak Prescott. Uh, who knows how much any of those other first three guys are going to miss, but Dak Prescott recorded, uh, reported 68 weeks. TJ Watt, I'm sure, is going to miss a handful of weeks as well with that pec injury. So that's all the games for Sunday. Um, again, I'm recording on Monday because the schedule is now Tuesdays. So the Monday night game, it's all for the storyline. Uh, it's it's Denver at Seattle. Obviously, Russell Wilson returning to Seattle in his first game in a new uniform. Uh, all storylines. I'm, I'm interested in that, of course, but more interested in the fact that we're going to have Joe Buck and Troy Aikman calling Monday Night Football. Uh, I think that duo is going to bring Monday Night Football back to the prominence that it was was as like the game to watch because you, for years, have had very lackluster booths in Monday Night Football. They've been trying to make it work after a couple of the guys that have been there for years left, you know? And it wasn't really, you know, like the Jason Witten era. Remember that? Like, it was, it was weird, right? So... Now you have Buck and Aikman. It's going to be elite. And honestly, I don't know how much like the Manning cast, how how well that's going to perform this year. Because last year, I watched the Manning cast pretty much the entire time. Um, unless my team was playing on Monday Night Football, you know, the Giants. Then I would watch the main broadcast mostly because I didn't want to get my attention taken away by listening to what Payne and Eli are saying. Uh, this year, I don't, I'm probably going to be watching Monday night on the main broadcast the entire time. Like, I love Payne and Eli, but I love Buck and Aikman. I know a lot of people don't like Joe Buck, but I do. So, I'll, I'll be on that. Um, and then the Thursday night game for week two is a doozy. Chiefs-Chargers, sure to be high scoring, uh, and I'm very excited about that. But just to wrap up this episode, we're going to talk about the D23 Expo uh, and the announcements that they made for Marvel moving forward uh the big one is the villain of the new captain america movie um and secret invasion the trailer and the thunderbolts announcement so the secret invasion trailer really looked like old marvel a bit more serious no stupid funny cheesy jokes or anything like that it's samuel l jackson um, and Colby Smulders back as uh, Maria Hill. Don Cheadle's in it as, obviously, War Machine, uh, Rhodey. But Nick Fury has the spotlight, obviously, because of his history with the scrolls and all that. But Secret Invasion looks really, really good. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited for this show to come out. Uh, doesn't give a... Yeah, doesn't doesn't deal doesn't give a, a release date. Um, Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury to the spotlight as he deals with the sec with a sect of scrolls invading Earth. Uh, so that sounds great to me. Don Cheadle will also be in Armor Wars, uh, so he'll he'll be in that in addition to Secret Invasion. Uh, the villain for Ironheart is announced. Um, I don't know, The Hood? I don't know who that is. Magic user, apparently. Uh, Fantastic Four director confirmed to be WandaVision director Matt Shackman. Shockman. 
Um, so that's good to hear that they uh, assigned a director. They also said an X-Men movie won't be made for a very, very long time, which is upsetting. Uh, and Captain America, New World Order, the fourth installment of the Captain America movies. Tim Blake Nelson will be returning as the leader. And he was in The Incredible Hulk. If you remember, he was doing experiments on Bruce and some of Banner's uh, blood uh, got dripped onto his head, which had a cut in it. So it infected his body and we saw it very briefly. They teased it. His head was like starting to deform and the leader, that's his whole thing, is that his head is like enormous. It's like his defining physical characteristic. Um, so Tim Blake Nelson is returning as the leader in Captain America New World Order. The villain first appeared in 2008 in The Incredible Hulk, like I just said, uh, teasing his gamma radiation-induced supreme intelligence. Uh, the fourth Captain America movie takes place in a post-Avengers world. Sam Wilson has stepped up as Captain America, but what about the other half of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier duo? Leading into this, the Thunderbolts, which is going to be difficult, I guess. I mean, they're making a Black Panther movie without Black Panther, you know, Chadwick Boseman. But I guess they can make a Thunderbolt movie without Thunderbolt Ross because Thunderbolt Ross is played by William Hurt, who unfortunately passed away earlier this year, and he played General Ross. So he's no longer a part of it, I would imagine, um, but the lineup for the Thunderbolts, which is a team that he leads, uh, is Bucky Barnes, um, Elena Belova, Florence Pugh, which is Black Widow's sister, Red Guardian returns, David Harbour, Taskmaster, unfortunately, returns, uh, Ghost from Ant-Man and the Wasp, if you remember her, U.S. Agent Wyatt Russell, he returns, which is great, I thought he was phenomenal, but that was hinted at, um, and then Valentina is... Uh, Julia Lewis-Dreyfus, she is also a part of the Thunderbolts. So, pretty stacked. I mean, if you look at the... Like, they have... Red Hulk, obviously, is supposed to be Thunderbolt Ross. So, I don't know if they're going to somehow include him in this movie as Red Hulk. Um, but this lineup is pretty much consisted with, like, the best hand-to-hand -hand combatants, or some of the best hand-to-hand -hand combatants in the MCU with Taskmaster, um... U.S. Agent, Winter Soldier, and Yelena, and then, you know, Red Guardian as well. So it'll be a cool movie. Um, so I don't know if Bucky's going to be in Captain America New World, New World Order. Uh, I would imagine he's going to be, but I'm not totally sure because they're giving him this his own little spotlight here with the Thunderbolts without Sam Wilson's Captain America. So, listen, man, even Steve Rogers, Captain America, couldn't do everything himself, right? And he was a super soldier. Sam is Captain America, but he's not a super soldier, right? He's got the armor and stuff, but I can't imagine they're just going to make Sam fly solo, no pun intended, uh, in New World Order. Like, they're going to give him a sidekick or a partner of some kind. If it's not Bucky, it's going to be someone else. So... Uh, those are the pretty big announcements from D23. Um, all good, in my opinion. I, I hope this kind of moves away from 
what thing. I haven't watched She-Hulk. I haven't watched Miss Marvel. I have no intention of watching either one of them. Um, yeah, I, I'm just not interested, you know? So I'm, I'm hoping things kind of move forward with the MCU and, and in a more serious direction. I know there's superhero movies and, like, how serious can you take them, but, like, I know, no, I know. Everyone remembers how Phase One and Two were, and and how serious those movies were before they got. You know, they were serious with comedic relief. They weren't comedic movies with serious moments. You know, it's a lot harder to take serious moments seriously when the entirety, ninety percent of the movie is is stupid one-liners. You know, it's a lot better to have a more serious movie with one-liners. You feel me? So I hope they kind of figured out that pacing and, and that that tone that they're looking for. Um, I'd imagine with the Thunderbolts, they're all kind of like brooding characters. So ideally, it is a more like serious movie and like they butt heads and stuff and then there'll be like occasional fun, funny moments or whatever. Uh, so that's D23. That's week one of the NFL all coming to a wrap here on another episode of From My Point of View. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate you as always. Looking forward to Thursday night, and we'll be back for week two of the NFL season next Tuesday. Have a great weekend. Like I'm in